Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Joining us now, the mayor of Gimli, Lynn Greenberg. Lynn, you're the mayor of the RM of Gimli, correct? Yeah, the RM and the town is together. Okay, gotcha. I just wanted to clarify that because I wasn't sure myself. Nice to chat with you again. So um, I was thinking about cottage country, and as you know, I'm from up in that area uh, in the summer, spend a lot of time at the cottage, love Gimli, love the bakery, love, uh, you know, all the stuff that happens uh, up there. And normally at this time of the year, you would be gearing up for another busy season. Not the case. That has to be uh, concerning people up there. Yeah, it's it's a concern, you know. It's it's put uh, well, it's put people on edge all over all over the world, you know. It's uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, this unprecedented thing, this, this terrible virus. Yeah, I, I guess you know. F- listen, businesses everywhere, as you said, this is a worldwide pandemic, and everybody everywhere is feeling the effects. But when you're in a community like Gimli, the, I'm thinking of the businesses in particular, they have a shorter period of time to kind of make their year, right? I mean, they're looking at two or three, maybe four, if they're lucky, good months of business to sort of survive through the rest of the year. And that's why I think it's kind of a double whammy for businesses up in Gimli and in that area. You're right, Hal. Yes, it's... Uh... The old saying, you know, they you got to make hay when the sun shines. Well, in Gimli, that's in the summer, and you know it, it helps the businesses survive the slower winter uh, months. And uh, now, of course, well, we nobody knows what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, uh, Dr. Rusin and uh, the province says, listen, don't travel if you don't have to. And I get that and I understand that. But I, I'm sure a lot of Manitobans, a lot of Winnipeggers will be heading to their uh, cottage. What is the situation like in Gimli right now? What's open? What's not? What are the challenges up there for your community? Well, basically, there's only a, uh, a couple of grocery stores and the... Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, there's a, uh, drug stores are open and uh, a couple other stores and uh, the restaurants, uh, some are uh, open, some aren't. The ones that are open, it's all takeout. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a real challenging time for the business community, you know, in, in Gimli and throughout the Interlake, really. Yeah. Are people up there, I'm not, I'm not pointing a finger at Gimli because I did not hear this about Gimli, but earlier in this pandemic, in this outbreak, we were hearing that in some rural communities, people weren't taking this pandemic, COVID-19, as seriously as, say, we are here in Winnipeg. What's been your experience up there in Gimli? People are following the rules, they're social distancing, they're doing all that stuff? Yes, uh, I've seen for the most part, uh, you know, there's always a few exceptions, but I think most people have got it. You know what I mean? Every TV and radio station is, is putting a, all the warnings out there. Uh, it, it's it's being drilled into people that stay home and, uh, and be safe. And I think for the most part, people are, are doing that. Yeah. Well, what are we? We're April 15th today. So May long, uh, that's usually the weekend people like to try and have the cottage open by. Uh, listen, we had another low number. To, I mean, unfortunately, a fifth Manitoban has passed away from COVID-19. But another day 
of low uh, new cases, just two new cases today. So, boy, fingers are crossed. I really hope that people can uh, enjoy communities like yours, Lynn, because, um, boy, we we need uh, some light at the end of the tunnel, don't we? Well, we do, but um, as Dr. Rusin says, uh, we can't let our guard down. And, uh, you know, we just got to keep at this. And uh, uh, we're relying on the federal and provincial governments, uh, all the advice that they're sending the municipalities. And uh, uh, we, we just got to keep at it. Lynn, thanks a lot for your time. All the best to Gimli and everybody up there in the Interlake, my favorite part of the world. Well, thank you so much, Al. Appreciate it. Lynn Greenberg is the mayor of Gimli, the RM and the uh, town of Gimli. Byron Williams in a moment from the Consumers Association of Canada here in Manitoba. Of course, over at the legislature, we've been telling you here on CGOB, they are holding a special one-day emergency sitting to deal with the fallout of the COVID-19 pandemic. By the way, only about a third of MLAs are there, so to follow uh, social distancing guidelines. And uh, the COVID-19 emergency bills are being dealt with. Those will likely go through today, but there were some other bills that now uh, look to be off the table. Steve Lambert from the Canadian Press was on earlier with our Jeff Courier to explain um, what's going on with these other bills. The government um, tried to introduce a a number of bills uh, earlier in the spring, uh, late winter, uh, when the legislature uh, last sat before uh, this pandemic blew up, um, and the opposition blocked them for uh, several days. Uh, eventually, the government got the bills introduced, but the opposition is opposed to some of them, and they're trying to uh, prevent those from passing today as well. And and uh, all of all of the contentious ones are off. Uh, there was some thought that the uh, government would try to um, force through some of the contentious bills, but that's that's not happening. We've seen some agreement worked out where the uh, the opposition is allowing some of the, the standard bills that we get every year. They're, they're going through. The contentious bills are off for now. We won't be dealing with them for weeks, perhaps months. Steve Lambert at the Canadian Press on CJOB earlier today. Uh, let's bring in Byron Williams, Consumers Association of Canada here in the province of Manitoba. Byron, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for uh, chatting with us. Tell us about these bills at the legislature that now appear to be off the table uh, I know you had concerns. Can you describe uh, maybe the bills and then tell us your issues and and we'll have a chat about it. Yeah, and I'm I I'll say I'm the the lawyer for the Consumers Association, um, right. and my client's cons- primary concern was with one bill called Bill 44, and that would have dramatically changed uh, who sets rates for public utilities like Manitoba Hydro, Central Central Gas, and uh, Manitoba Public Insurance. If people can, on that bill, if people think about it, uh, traditionally the Public Utilities Board tries to balance the interests of hydro and consumers and and businesses or or MPI and consumers and businesses. And what Bill uh, 44 would have done is taken away the power of the PUB for a four-year period to set rates for Manitoba Hydro 
and given uh, Manitoba, the, the province of Manitoba, the cabinet, the, the power to politically set rates instead, and with no constraints in that four-year period on how high rate increases could be. Uh, so that, that was one of the big concerns with Bill 4. If you recall just a couple of years ago, Manitoba Hydro tried to bring in a 7.9% rate increase and threatened that there would be five more years of 7.9% rate increases. And our clients and large industrials and others resisted that at the Public Utilities Board um, and said that that wasn't um, fair and it wasn't good for Manitoba or for consumers. And so a major concern for our client was Bill 44 because the Public Utilities Board has been there to be independent, to be above politics, to rely on evidence, and to balance the interests of consumers and ratepayers. So Bill 44's uh, very important for other consumers. Uh, uh, it would it would take away any role of the Public Utilities Board in uh, recommending rates for payday lenders. And as you know, payday lending rates are very high, and it would and and the vulnerable consumers who rely upon them uh, would be uh, would not have recourse to the Public Utilities Board. So that's the bill in uh, in in um, in. Uh, in large picture, there there are some good parts of Bill 44 that our clients are interested in. Uh, one of the the good parts of Bill 44 is that the government is saying that if there's any any more big hydroelectric projects like Kiosk or Wisquatam or Bipole 3, there would be a mandatory review of the Public Utilities Board. So it doesn't mean from our clients' perspective that everything in Bill 44 was bad, but central to Bill 44 was dramatically reducing the voice of the independent um, uh, race authority, the Public Utilities Board, and uh, allowing for more political intrusion in rate setting in Manitoba. And from our client's perspective, that is an unhealthy balance. Does the timing at all, uh, is your client at all suspicious of the timing of trying to push Bill 44 through today? I know it's been known for a while, but that it would be today that the government would hope to put it through as we deal with this pandemic. I can't speak to my client's suspicions, but I do want to assure Manitobans that if there are emergency issues related to hydro or MPI or central gas, the Public Utilities Board has emergency authority. They have a, a lot of power that if there's something that needs to be done quickly, they can expedite their process. So I won't comment on, on politics because that's for the, the people at the legislature with their social distancing to talk about. But I don't want Manitobans to think that there's not an ability for the Public Utilities Board to react to emergency circumstances. So if, for example, um, there's a, a feeling and good evidence that Manitoba Public Insurance may be able to lower rates because people are staying at home and, and take some of that pressure off consumers, there could be an emergency application to the PUB to do that. If there's a concern that Manitoba Hydro, because Kiosk is coming online this year, may need to raise rates even in this emergency time, there's an emergency process that can be done by the Public Utilities Board. So I hope that answers not the suspicion question, but the yep. issue of the powers of the PUB. It does. Byron, thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Manitoba Beef Producers. Joining us now, the General Manager, Carson Callum. Carson, good afternoon. 
Hey, how you doing, Hal? Excellent. How are our beef producers faring through this? You know, it, it's definitely a stressful time for a lot of the a lot of the producers across the across the province, and and I, I can guess many Manitobans as well. Yeah, I, I've read stories where we are eating more meat, we're consuming more meat, including beef. In fact, I think ground beef has doubled some of the numbers that I've seen. So people are consuming more meat, but now in the States we're hearing about people getting COVID-19 at some of the plants that process the meat. Weigh in on this. Help us understand what the impact might be here to our beef producers. Well, you know, a lot of the a lot of our meat is processed at a, a number of facilities here in Western Canada. It's particular Manitoba producers' uh, beef supply, and and re- a decrease in a lot of their the restaurant uh, demand has has caused a concern uh, for sure for for that overall supply of beef. And you think about uh, a lot of those premium cuts are, are being sent to to restaurants, and without that, it just a lot of it gets shifted towards towards the 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 retail sector so it it could impact the the demands um the demand for beef overall um but some of these closures and stuff within western canada are are a definite concern for the short-term supply within within the beef sector and you know i've talked to grain farmers uh, other ag people and i guess it's no different for beef producers or pork producers or or whatever it is you're producing um, uh, demand uh, drives production, and uh, I imagine that your producers obviously are worried about the future. They've got to make decisions based on you know their crop, which is beef. Talk to that yeah. a bit. Yeah, I mean, you think about we talk about how stressful it is for many Manitobans, but it's especially stressful for beef producers in the province. So they've been dealing with with challenges over the la- production challenges over the last couple of years, whether that be drought in parts of the province or that that crazy snowfall that we had last fall. So adding that on top of this, this uncertainty around COVID-19 has really increased that stress level for producers. The, the real impact for our producers is such market volatility in terms of price and what they can get for their animals. And some producers across the province have already taken a financial hit due to these, these different uh, decreases in restaurant demand and, and decreases in overall processing capacity. So that financial hit is a, is a major concern and we're really trying to work hard with industry stakeholders to to put recommendations forward to to levels of government to try to really drive support for these producers because we want to ensure that they can maintain a financially stable operation moving forward so uh, there's a lot of different aspects in the supply chain that are affected right now and uh, and I know processing processing capacity is a definite concern with with this COVID-19 virus. Are there deadlines and timelines coming up quickly for beef producers? Uh, help me out with that because I'm not sure. Well, a number of a number of uh, producers will, will have marketed their animals already, or, but there is some, whether they're in a feedlot operation within the province that are holding on, or some that background their animals and, and sell them in the, at this time of year. Uh, a lot of producers right now are. are are benefiting from self-isolation because a lot of producers in Manitoba are calving right now. So they already are staying on the farm for, for long periods of time. So they're able to do their part and self-isolate. Um, but if if this processing capacity issues and anything related to supply chain issues uh, continue as we, as we move forward and, in, and into the, the, the fall calf run where a lot of animals are marketed, then I'd be, then there'd be even more concern on, on being able to move uh, these animals effectively. And that's why we are trying to 
put forward programs to the government to try to uh, control some of these concerns. So again, there you just mentioned the need for government help assistance as we deal with this pandemic. What can people listening to the radio right now, right now do? What can average Winnipeggers and, and Manitobans do to try and help our beef producers? Well, I mean, just be mindful of what you're buying at the at the uh, at the grocery store right now, uh, especially with with the Cargill plant uh, reducing its capacity in the short term and some of the challenges that might happen right now. We just encourage consumers to try to be mindful and buying what they need and and, and what they require. Um, overall, a lot of these different concerns need to be uh, need to be focused on how we can help producers specifically in this in this time and, and some of these things related to how they market their animals. Um, but other than other than that, just in, in, encourage folks to still buy what they need at the at, at the grocery store. Carson, thanks a lot for this and and stay in touch with us. Okay. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Hal. Carson Callum, General Manager, Manitoba Beef Producers. CGOB Give Back. Let me just explain if you're a new listener or if you haven't heard about this. Basically, it's our attempt here at CGOB to try and help the organizations in our community that are struggling right now. They're used to helping others, and now many of them need our help. And so we're trying to do our part. You can find a page at cjob.com. Uh, where these organizations have videos and they explain their need and talk a bit about the cause. And on Fridays after the news at 3, I've been interviewing some of these organizations and their officials, and now we've expanded that, so we're going to do interviews after the news at 3 on Wednesdays as well as Fridays. And joining us now, Captain Jamie Rands from the Salvation Army. Jamie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm getting tired of asking this question, but it is my first question for you. How are things going through this pandemic at the Salvation Army? Tell us. Well, obviously, we've uh, changed the way that our ordinary uh, days tend to tend to roll. Uh, we're facing extraordinary challenges, not unlike anybody else. And we're just continuing to do all we can to deliver the essential services to those out there that need us most. Yeah, and they need We're even so- more now, don't they? Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, our food banks uh, have increased. Our emergency shelters have increased. We've had to uh, even open additional shelters and warming stations uh, because of the, the the need to social distance and limiting the space in our regular shelters. Uh, we've been uh, blessed to be able to continue in ministry. We know that we're still reaching out as people are at the core of our mission uh, we're taking unprecedented measures. We're we're altering our programs. We're altering our service delivery, uh, but we're doing everything we can to ensure that those that depend on us for support and help stay healthy and safe. And you're doing even more than usual on less. I would imagine donations and certainly uh, opportunities for you to fundraise. If they haven't, uh, you know, decreased, they've they've likely even. Uh, disappeared talk about that doing more with way less yes uh we're we're doing what we can with what we have but uh our as i mentioned with the the food banks and our feeding programs in great need right now uh and, and difficulty at, at getting food at some locations uh the, the the increase is definitely there for us we're we're asking the public if at all possible if they're able to to help us 
the easiest way is through a monetary donation to, to remain con- contactless uh, with other individuals, and that would be through SalvationArmy.ca or 1-800-SALARMY. All right, say the website and the phone number again, because that was going to be my next question. And I know with most organizations like yours, a cash donation online or by phone is the best way, because as you point out, there's no contact, and and we do have a pandemic on right now. So please say the phone number uh, and also the the website again for us slowly. Sure, it's 1-800-SALARMY, and the website is salvationarmy.ca. And people can we find believe. out more at the CJOB Give Back page at, uh, at CJOB.com as well. Uh, we've got a bit of a delay. I interrupted you. Go ahead, Jamie. No, I just uh, say the Salvation Army believes that everyone out there needs an army to know that they're, they're not struggling alone. And we just want to ensure the public that we are committed to providing them with the much-needed support that they so, so much deserve. All the best. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. God bless. Captain Jamie Rands from the Salvation Army uh, joining us here on CGOB this afternoon. And again, you can find out more about CGOB Give Back the Salvation Army, one of many great organizations in our community that could use a hand right now as they help others. It's uh, a common theme that we're hearing from these charities and organizations. They're trying to do more with less and they could use uh, some help from you if you can help them again more on cgob give back at cgob.com hal anderson afternoons the podcast is available on apple Podcasts, google podcast and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts